Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Um, here we have just the one Soto Appreciator and myself, Richard L. Fitz. Uh, our Dick, Dick Fit. Yeah. And uh, Juan Soto Appreciator has left the stream. So Gatto is also not here. He's stuck in the DMV. And when I say the DMV, I mean the Department of Motor Vehicles. So it's just going to be us tonight. But for the time being, it's just going to be me because Q decided to quit. Welcome back, Q. You forgot your paycheck. Um, so... Got a couple of different things for us tonight, um, and we've been a little bit of a hiatus, so there's a lot of stuff that has happened, but first and foremost, let's get into a little bit of baseball, because we haven't talked about that in a while. Juan Soto deal happens late last night. We've been hearing rumblings about it for the last, I don't know, two days or so that something was going to get done. As a Yankee fan, Mr. Q, Mm -hmm. how are you feeling today? I I am the... Juan Soto appreciator. Um, and we'll, this was we a no will refer to you as such moving forward. <laughs> it's my fucking name, so I I, I want it. That's what I want to hear. Um, I I'm 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 elated. Uh, it was a big package to give up. So like I I I do understand. Don't mind me. Fucking killing it today, Tom. Um, I, I'm I'm happy because at at the end of the day. It's a like there's no long term deal made up, right? So, so like we we don't know that this like all of a sudden he's just gonna be, you know, with us for the next 10, 15 years because he rejected that what fifteen year four hundred million dollar four sixty million with the Nationals a couple years ago. He's gonna want like a piece of Yankee Stadium to mm-hmm. to be there long term. Um, having said that, he is a twenty five year old generational type hitter and i imagine that the yankees are going to probably dh him a lot which will keep him fresh um giving up michael king sucks um he was honestly one of the bright spots last year uh towards the end very methodical very smart pitcher um so i'm obviously not you know in love with giving him up but obviously there was really nothing else you could do and then there's Drew Thorpe. Drew Thorpe was another one who I was like really not like I wasn't in love giving up. But at the end of the day, between having Rodon and if Rodon can have some kind of fucking bounce back next year, and then having the AL Cy Young, Garrett Cole, and then if you know we walk away with uh, what's his name Yamamoto, Yamamoto. yeah, um, if we walk away with Yamamoto. 
which apparently they're saying the Mets are the favorite at the moment to get him. Um, so I don't know, but as as of right now, if we can walk away with Yamamoto, that would give us three pretty talented starters. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure how to feel about the, the give up, but I, I, I'm not a prospect hugger. And also the reality is we went with the, the approach last year of kind of just going more prospects and it didn't work. We 500 and, you know, missed the playoffs and it's just like, it wasn't working. So I'm glad Cashman finally made an aggressive move here because at the end of the day, he's 25 year old. This is also, he's 25. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a guy who's going to fucking eat in the short porch. So that's just where I'm at at the moment. But it was a big haul, and I, I hope they get him signed long term. But, like, it's the move you had to make. Yeah, and I think that's the one Soto deal, believe it or not, it felt so understated compared to all of the all of the excitement around Shohei Otani. That in in some way, shape, or form, Mario saying the greatest Yankee dynasty in our lifetime, we're at core of prospects. That's true, but I mean, those are in some cases those are harder to come by now than they ever have been. Um, but I, I will say, like, it felt like such an understated trade because there's been so much excitement around Otani and Yamamoto that Soto was kind of just out there and. It felt like it was going to happen more than I think the Padres really thought it was going to. But I, before we get into the reaction for the Yankees and what it does for them, can we just talk about how much of a fucking joke the Padres are? They go all in twice in the last 10 years, and it completely fucking falls apart both mm. times for them. Because I remember they tried to do the same thing in like 2014 or 2015 where they got like Craig Kimbrell, um, James Shields. They traded for a bunch of guys and they signed a bunch of guys. And that team was not even a 500 team. And they blew it up. And AJ Preller kept his job. And like, I know that they lost their TV deal, which is sucks, but the fact that you signed Tatis to a huge deal, you signed Machado to a huge deal, you got Blake Snell, and you were paying him a decent chunk of money, um, and then you got Xander Bogarts, who pretty much bankrupted this team, and there was a report at the end of the season that they were short, like, I think it was like $50 million or something like that. Which is crazy. Had, yeah, and they had to float it. So it was only a matter of time before Soto got traded, but... What the Yankees had to give up. I know you said that losing Michael King hurts. Compared, it, it does. Compared to Soto, he's a fucking like janitor. Like he's a relief pitcher. And the other guys kind of are too. And it strikes me how low the asking price was. Like nobody in the top three of the Yankees farm system was even like touched. None of the guys in the current roster, nothing. Yeah. And it just shows me that the Padres were desperate. They needed to unload this guy. And I would imagine there were a lot of teams that were saying like, well, we're not going to trade for this guy unless we get a guarantee that he's willing to take a contract extension. Mm. And the Yankees are pushing their chips into the center of the table, but it's not that many chips. It's not like what other teams would have to do where they'd have to give up the entire farm system. 
you have Kyle Higashioka in this fucking deal. Like it's unserious for me. Yeah. So I just want to say that second thing, it's fantastic for the Yankees. You got a, re- a left-handed bat, which is something that they needed and a guy who draws walks like watching any Yankee game last year. They're right hand heavy with a bunch of guys who strike out a shit ton. Yeah. And Soto will strike out, but he'll also put like 40 in the upper deck. Well, that's, um, that's, that's the thing is that, you know, he, he is such a, like the short porch for him is going to be like insane. For him, he's just gonna rip. Like he's he's gonna hit some some things that would be doubles, you know, and then it's just gonna go out of the park. So, and the um, good thing is too, unlike Alex Verdugo, who we'll get into in a second, his yeah. power will travel too. Like, yeah, it's it's not like oh, you got a guy who like profiles perfectly for Yankee Stadium. Right, the way he's built is built different, different, and he profiles everywhere. Yeah, he could play on fucking Mars, and he would be fine up there. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think there's a real opportunity for him. I just, you know, it's the thing I worry about is that, you know, his agent and you know how it's gonna go. It's gonna be hard to get a deal done. He's gonna want, you know, Monument Park named Juan Soto Park. But I think I think somebody Jeff Passan came up. I was listening to Jeff Passan last night, and he he made a good point. And it was basically that like it's gonna what it's gonna come down to is what Juan Soto really wants. Mm-hmm. Does he want to be the highest paid baseball player of all time, or does he want to win championships? So it's like a matter of like if he's willing to sacrifice maybe you know twenty million, thirty million here. Is, is he willing to make that sacrifice? And I think that's going to be the, the question. I think the other thing, too, is like the media exposure level in the Bronx versus San Diego or even in D.C., like the yeah, sponsorship to- rights will like effectively cover whatever he loses. Yeah. From like taking a lesser contract extension. But I yeah, will no, say, though, no, no one cares about San Diego baseball. Yeah. The thing is, though, is that he's 25 years old, probably going to be 26 at the end of the season, right? Right. I would give him what he wants now because that contract, if he stays healthy and does all the things, that contract ages well because he's so young already. It's not like you give a 31-year-old guy like a nine-year deal. Right. Like the Xander Bogarts trade. I think it was like he's he was 30 when he signed that. And it's an 11 year deal that is going to age like cabbage on your porch. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I'm I'm all for it. I, I honestly, because of his age, I'm I'm willing to even go like the 15 years at this point, because, again, the last few years are always gives a fuck, you know, type mm-hmm. of things. Um, so for me, we'll run him up till he's 40, you know, DH him until he's 36, 37. He could be a, a, a decade type of guy. And again, that, that swing is just so natural that I'm not even really worried about the worry. The most you worry about is him getting hurt, but like, he's been pretty durable so far. So I'm not really too concerned with it long-term. Um, you know, it's, it's comes with all the, 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 you know, the regular stuff that you worry about when you give a guy 15 years, but like 
if you're going to give anybody 15 years, you know, uh, Akuna, Soto. Roughly the same age guys, too. Those are, the, you know, uh, Tatis. And, I mean, there's questions about Tatis, obviously, off the ba- off the field. Yeah. That would maybe worry you. But, like, th- those type of talents are the guys you're going to give the, that money to. Is Soto, like, the same age as – how old was A-Rod when he came to the Yankees? Um, I would say he was a lot older. I thought it was like 27 or 28. Uh, I'm going to check that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess he was in like 29, 30 when he came to the Yankees. Uh, he was 20, it was 2004. He was 28 years old. Okay. Yeah. So you're even getting him younger than what you got a rod. And, and, and yeah, and again, like a guy who I think, has kind of just started hitting his peak. Um, and I, I, you know, look, <laughs> I am, I, I am not the biggest Brian Cashman fan as people know, but, and I'm, I'm not happy with a lot of the inactivity over the last few years because getting, getting young Carlos Stanton, and putting ourselves in a position where we missed out on Bryce Harper, missed out on Shane Otani, and like really put us in a fucking box. And then he was prospect hugging for a long time and just basically refused to really make a move. And it resulted in here in, in what we're seeing now with this team. Yeah. Um, so now I, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like this is the move you had to make. Yeah. Am I going to miss Michael King? He's a great player and everything. Sure. But like, I, I'm not worried about it long-term, honestly. Um, so as far as it goes, I'm just, I'm kind of just riding the wave right now and getting a guy like Juan Soto. This is the deal that the Yankees had to make. And yeah. again, it, I gave him credit for putting his fucking, he finally pulled the trigger on something. So there's been a lot of like, will they or won't they? So now, for me, obviously, I would love Otani, but like, that's not happening. I don't even think it's in consideration at this point. So, um, and also, I think I am. If you wanted to shift to, to Otani, um, or we can talk about Verdugo first, whichever one you want to do. Let's do Verdugo first. Okay. Cause I do want to talk about Otani. Yeah. Um, I will say the one thing that might be. A concern is if they are able to re-sign Soto. I think that's four. Contra- it would be four contracts to be over thirty million for yeah for them, which is it's a lot. And like according to Elon, concerning. Um, <laughs> and then you have a, a handful of other ones that are like twenty mil or over. So right, right. that's you know what. That's tomorrow's problem. That's not today's problem. That's that is the reality, though, right? Like, they have to. Like, at the end of the day, you can't concern yourself with with that. You have to just kind of go for it, you know. So, yeah. Um, and this is know. kind of a win now for them too. And and as we're 100%. getting into Verdugo, Red Sox made a trade. Um, they traded Alex Verdugo to. The Yankees for one Richard Elfitz, um, and one guy that was drafted this year, and Gary Weiser is that his name? Yeah, Pride of, Pride of Bayshore. 
mind Brian you. Bayshore. That's right. Um, and as the Red Sox fan on this show, I don't hate this deal as much as other people. I don't really give a fuck if the Yankees and Red Sox make trades. Like, it's okay. Ooh, like it's, people are get jammed up about it. It's not really a big deal to me. <laughs> it is surprising. It is if you haven't been following Alex Verdugo. So Alex Verdugo was part was a part of the Mookie Betts trade, as many of you know. And he, I think he was kind of set up to fail when he went to Boston because everyone had the expectation like, oh, this guy is going to have to replace Mookie Betts in right field. And for what Alex Verdugo is, he has grown as a player in certain spots. He's definitely a better defender than he was when he got there. He plays a really good right field. I think that's one thing that will be nice for the Yankees is that you get a solid defender out there. Um, the tricky part is, is he's just never evolved as a um, as a bat in the lineup. He mm. will give you a shit ton of doubles. He will give you probably anywhere between... 10 to 14 home runs a year and probably 65 RBI. Mm -hmm. But everyone was anticipating this big power jump and it never really happened. And like, he's, he's a grinder, but the big knock on him is the evolution of his bat has never really happened, but also his attitude has kind of been up and down. So Mm -hmm. the big issue last year was that he started the year really, really hot, played really, really well had a shit ton of doubles and was playing like an all-star didn't get selected to the all-star team because the team, I think, I think the all-star game was in Seattle. They had to pick somebody from Seattle and he got all fucking jammed up about it. And he said, I should have been an all-star and that pretty much tanked his second half where his batting average went to the basement. He started having off the field issues where he'd show up late to the park. He got benched a couple of times to him and, Cora went at it a few times as well. And it was just only a matter of time before he got traded. I'm a little surprised that they traded him to the Yankees, but, and what they got back was pretty much everything the Red Sox wanted and needed, which was pitching depth because the pitching for the Red Sox has been piss poor the last couple of years and they need bodies badly. It's been an area the Red Sox have struggled with from the farm system for years, ever since like Clay Buckholtz and Eduardo Rodriguez, they just had a really hard time bringing in arms, developing them. So that's your Verdugo scouting report there. Any questions? Um, I mean, not really. I, I, I know he's going to be depth pretty much uh, spot starter type. He will easily be your fourth outfielder because Trent Grisham, the other part of that Soto trade, is probably going to be the starting center fielder. I would assume so. And yeah, he's gold, he's a two-time Gold Glover, so yeah. it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, between Soto, Grisham, Judge, and then Verdugo, and Stanton is going to be probably full-time DH until he goes on the IL for you know 100 games. No, he will. Uh, <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm fine with all this, obviously it's, it's, it's good moves. We needed outfield help, um, because like the too often we were seeing, you know, pretty much get into a position where Stanton went down and we were absolutely fucked, yeah. you know, because he was and it's always right after a hot streak too. Like he will always get hot and then fucking that's when all of a sudden he'll get hurt. 
and it's like of course you know it's just it's you can almost put your clock to it at this point so um at this point i, I i'm just happy i'm just happy to see more depth um pitching is going to be a concern you know there's really nothing you can do about that as of right now until uh mazumoto uh so signs and there's really nobody out there that I'm like super jazzed about. Eduardo Rodriguez just got signed yesterday. Have the Diamondbacks. Enjoy Arizona. It's a good pitcher. Yeah, but again, as a as a Red Sox fan, I watched a lot of Eduardo Rodriguez, and it's um it's inexperienced to say the least. Mm. Yeah. Well, I I, I I I'm I'm excited. I I'm, I'm actually excited for the first time in a long time uh to, for the season to start because last year was just fucking torture just watching that team and also because like judge too you know like he gets hurt you know, a decent amount and he's gonna miss games he's over 30 now so like just seems like cashman finally fucking like because i've never had an issue with cashman like with certain trades like yeah i thought the trades last year were awful you know, but um, this year I'm like, just go after young talent. Stop trying to bring in these 35 year old guys that hit 230 and fucking hit 35 home runs. Like, it's not good for the team. Give mm-hmm. us guys that can get doubles. Give us guys that can fucking hit singles. Like, need to like if Texas, the Texas Rangers. I know the Texas Rangers hit a lot of home runs, but like they could still fucking hit for for average. So it's like, yeah. I will say I think the Yankees kind of got caught out a bit on some of the rules changes that happened last year where they were heavily bought into like the launch angle stuff and, you know, batting average doesn't really matter. Stolen bases don't really matter. Um, Who who, like I don't understand that mindset. I don't. I don't either. And I think. For me, it's it doesn't make any sense. Like, how could you how could you look at a guy who's got like a 280 batting average and say, you know, who's better than this? The guy with a 225 batting average, <laughs> because the guy with a 225 batting average, I'm sure, can hit home runs and he can do all of these things. But I mean, that all or nothing can t- really take you out of an inning. Like, you got two guys on base, and the guy who you you're either going to get a home run or strikes out he's going to fucking strike out. Like, I think Josh Donaldson was the epitome of Brian Cashman just not having a fucking clue sometimes. And yeah. I mean, you got him like seven years too late too. So. I, yeah. I mean, again, what was he? Th- he was 35 already. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are we, what are we fucking doing? Like this, this is the shit that I don't understand. And it's like, you give up, Um, you know, you're give, like, I mean, I don't care if you gave up a fucking ham sandwich for him. Like, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. And, like, I think a lot of times he's so fucking, like, cocky. Because I think he knows that he doesn't have, um, like, there's really no chance of him getting fired, you know? And then he gets, he ends up getting a fucking, um, he ends up getting an extension. So he's, like, he's so cocky sometimes with some of these moves that he makes. And I just I I don't really understand it, and yeah. it's pretty impressive actually. Like I'm not even mad. It's I am. How do I get that kind of job security in my life? But he gives you know he 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 very cockily says when you know because he traded Gio Rochella for him. Mm-hmm. Well, Gio Rochella was not an all star, and he ended up getting hurt 
the following year anyway. So like it wouldn't have mattered. But like he's he was a good good third baseman, really solid third baseman. I would argue, I know Donaldson's a gold glover, but like you know, I would say he's like an above average third baseman. And he was a guy who hit like 280, 20 home runs and 60 RBIs. Like, I mean, like nothing to sneeze at for a guy who's hitting six or seven in your lineup. Yeah. And like, he was just like, well, it's just, you know, we love Gio and thank him for his service. But like the facts are that Josh Donaldson's just a, a better th- player. And I'm like, I don't agree. <laughs> like I'm not a GM, but like I disagree. So I don't know. Well, good. I'm glad for you. I just want to, I want to say too, um, because I think I have read a lot online. A lot of Red Sox fans are upset that the Red Sox were not even involved in this kind of conversation. And I'm, I'm struggling in two areas because from the practical, like what helps this team get better. Soto doesn't really match up with the Red Sox and he doesn't really feel a need for them because he's another left-handed bat behind Devers, Casas, um, Yoshida, Duran. And like the Red Sox have made this big deal about finding talent and growing it. But for me, you have to be at least in the conversation though. You have to at least try and you have to, you have to check in. Right. Right. We, we, we called his out. agent. We called his agent. We called, we called Scott Boris and we were like, Hey, Soto. Okay, cool. Nice talking to you. And then like, hang up the phone. Like, yeah. Cause I would at least like to know what the offer was or what they were asking for. If it was like Hauk, Bayo and like Duran and a bunch of starters, I'd be like, thanks, but no thanks. But if mm. it was like something comparable to what the Yankees had to give up, like, you would think that they would have been in on it at least a little bit, but yeah. And, and I think that's where like the, the, that's where the Red Sox are though, is that they've had to shift their focus completely away from offensive guys like Soto to Mm. focus a lot of their energy on the starters or the starting pitching market. (sighs) That's not moved in the way that people thought it was because Rodriguez was never in the Red Sox plans. I think they were good on him. Aaron Nola yeah. was never going to leave Philly. And yeah. the other guys that have signed to are like, I mean, as a, as a Yankee fan, you know everything you need to know about Sonny Gray. And there was not Pickles? any. <laughs> you mean there, Pickles? Wasn't, there wasn't anything that impressed me about him. And there's been a bunch of like handful of guys that have signed too. But I think this segues nicely into what you wanted to talk about Otani is that yeah. Otani has fucking frozen the market for everybody. There's an 600, article, 600 million will do that. Yeah. There's an article. I think it's in the Atlantic right now. And I've heard it from a couple different places. This, that like the reason why you have so few signings right now in free agency is because everyone's waiting to see what's going to happen with Shohei. Yeah. And there are so many teams that are still in that conversation where all of their money is essentially tied up into what his decision is going to be. Mm-hmm. So you have him pretty much dictating the market mm-hmm. right now, and everybody is just waiting for him. So I want to talk about Otani because I am I'm kind of stuck on him. Um 
I don't know how to. Like you feel. can't get them out of your head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just looking at a picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that Wolverine meme where he's sitting there <laughs> looking at the picture. <laughs> you're just texting him on your phone, just hey. I, you're not getting anything back. Hey, 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 big head. Um, I don't. <laughs> You just get just, the little bubbles that come up and then they stop. <laughs> <laughs> You're driving past his house. I'm trying to figure the name of the dog. I'm trying to figure out his, his dog's name. Like, just tell me what the dog's name is, man. I just I, need to know, man. This is a weird one for me. Because I love Shane. I, he is unbelievable. Uh maybe the like we like we talk about unicorns a lot right but like let's be real he is the real fucking unicorn um, but he's had his now second major elbow surgery yeah you have to have conversations about him pitching and i think that's one of the big allures of why you're going to give him 600 million dollars is because he fills a rotation spot and he is a MVP level hitter. Yeah, he's right? a 40 home run a year guy. Two, you know, two, 285, 40 home runs, 120 RBIs. Like you can almost book it. But 600, but if he is, if his pitching career, right, is going to be in doubt long term, right? If he's, if, if the question becomes of like whether or not he is going to be able to hold up long term as a pitcher. I think there has to be a serious conversation about giving him $600 million. I'd still do it because he is just such a rare person, but I would have doubts, right? Like, I feel like you have to have some doubt. So my response is yes, absolutely. I mean, two Tommy John surgeries, like there's only so many more ligaments that they can pull out of his legs. I know. I know. And I think just the way that pitching goes in Japan too, those guys throw a fuck ton of innings. Like you only pitch once a week, but your bullpen sessions are like max velocity, max velocity, 110 mm. pitches. And I was listening to a, a podcast this morning with Kevin Euclid on, he played in Japan and he said, those guys have shoulder surgeries at least once in their careers. So you have to assume that if Shohei gets what a ten million a ten year deal, ten years six hundred plus sixty million per to, year, you have to assume at least one of those years is going to have a surgery in there where he can't pitch. Aside from this first year, um, somebody floated the idea of him being a reliever or a closer. I don't know how that would work personally. Because I think you're going to have to have a secondary closer on the team, too, because there's going to be days where he can't go or you need him in the lineup for a tight game. How does that work, though? Can he just enter the game as a reliever while he's in the lineup? I think so. Yeah, it'd be like a double switch situation. I don't necessarily but when they take him. But when they take him out, does that mean that he's out of the game? So like when they relieve him from pitching, he's out. He, he's done. That's that. I don't like that at all. Yeah, but like that. Wait a minute. Does that work? Like, I don't watch a lot, a lot of Angels games, so you'll have to excuse me. Does that how is that how it works when he gets taken out from his starting pitching? Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't like that. 
But I mean, he's so good that it's just like, but I, I wouldn't use him as a reliever. Yeah, it doesn't. Somebody floated the idea, and I was trying to think in my head, like, him as a starter is more valuable than him as a reliever. See, but... him as him in like old NL would have been perfect. Like, mm-hmm. as an old, like, if, if, if the, if the permanent DH didn't hit, like, him on the Mets would be incredible, right? Be like to be a guy who like pitches every five games. And when he, when he pitches, you know that you're nine hitter, you put him in the nine hole or whatever. Like he's just a fucking, he's going to rake. You yeah. Know? So, but yeah, I don't know. I don't love it. Yeah. And you know, I think other people have been explaining it too. Cause I, I, I would imagine he's in year he's 29 right now. I'd imagine he'll probably pitch for like another two or three years. And I'm still okay with the 10 million six or 10 year $600 million deal. Because if you think about it, every game that Shohei plays for your team is going to be televised in Japan. You're going to make so much money off of him just being on your team. I mean, there are teams that have made money off of him on the angels coming and playing at another ballpark. I'm just curious as to see, who is willing to be the ones to pull the trigger on that deal? I'm going to tell you right now, I think it's going to be the Mets. For Shohei? Yeah. I think it's going to be Toronto. See, I I hear that, but who the fuck wants to play in Toronto? I don't I don't You know, I, can, I, can I say I where I want him to go? I want him to go want? to the, I want him to go to the Mariners. Really? I, as much as I don't want him to go to the Mariners because, like, they're an AL team, him and Seattle, like, there's a there's a huge like the Asian population there is huge. He would be a fucking star, and like I, the Mariners are always my second team. You know, you have a team that you kind of like don't. It's not your not your favorite team, but it's like a team that you respect and like always kind of just like like for me like the NFL, the Minnesota Vikings were always my like team that I always like loved watching and I was like I kind of like this team. I love the I love the fan base and everything like that. So like I've always kind of liked the Mariners. Um so I think he'd be kind of perfect for that. But I'm sorry. Uh so the Mets we're like I mean it makes sense because of Cohen, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's willing to roll out the red carpet. He could get Yamamoto too and like just go all in and it would still make be five hundred. That, I mean, does it feel like this is like an exercise in futility for the Mets, though? Yes, I do. And I I feel like Steve Cohen has come in and said, like, it's a new era. Everything is going to be golden now. And it's the exact same team. Same it's thing. the exact same result every year, like four games under 500, just good enough to be like watchable, bad enough to not be relevant. I, yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. The extra money has not gotten away from the fact that they're still the fucking Mets. Like, it just, it feels like the Knicks, right? To where it's like, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at something. It doesn't matter what stars you bring in. It just feels like you're doomed to go 500 almost every year. Yeah. And like, you're, and even, and if you do win a lot of games, expect the worst disaster at the end of the season to just completely fucking bury you. Oh yeah, you lose four one in like the first round. Not even like not even close. Like, and yeah. it's like, and it's like by a lot too, to where 
by game two, you're absolutely fucking deflated and defeated. And you're like, I, I don't even want to watch game three because it doesn't matter. Then they'll win game three by big fashion. And you're like, we're doing this. We're coming back. And then game four, they just get annihilated. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I mean, they. I was really shocked, too, when they were able to sign Kode Senga last year. Yeah. And I'm like, do you want to be on a team that's winning games, though? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure like like the Mets are capable of throwing money at people. They throw hedge fund money at people, which not a lot of teams can do unless you're the Braves and you sign everybody to like 20 year <laughs> deals for eight hundred dollars and you have to donate to their charity or whatever. But right. it's just like if I'm a Japanese player coming over, or if I'm a free agent, like. I'm, the Mets are not the first team I'm looking at. I'm trying to get on a contender. I think I, I mean, it's tough, right? Because I understand what you're saying, but like, I think there is something to being in New York, being in New York. And... Not even in New York though. You're fucking Queens. <laughs> I mean, you could say you're not in New York with, uh, with the Yankees. Uh, you could say you're in the Bronx. It's the, the same South island. Bronx. It's the, the same Bronx. island though. You're in the South Bronx of all places, like fucking just terrible. Um, you play for the Mets. You are on Long Island. Yeah, technically. That's it. You are technically on Long Island, <laughs> um, which is actually, I would argue, probably better off because then you can just live in fucking, you know, name, you know, Oyster Bay. You can live yeah. in some beautiful fucking villa and uh, and just commute to work that way. I don't know. I I think there is still an award of playing for a New York team, even if it is the fucking Mets. But I think money, money talk. I think, I think also we have to treat this as like people are human beings and not everyone is like utterly jazzed about winning championships. It's more about like, I need to do something to secure my financial future. I'm not in that position. So I I don't know. Yeah. But I feel like it might be a little bit tough sometimes. Uh, to, you know, if someone's offering you $600 million, like if the Mets offer you $600 million, if you're Otani and it's the New York media, you'll be a star. You know, you're going to be on every fuck. You're going to get the Dunkin' Donuts contract. You're going to get the fucking, you know, every, every name of fucking like. He's going to get everything. Tommy DeVito. Tommy Cutlets. Oh, um, com- compared to going to. We're going to the Dodgers for that matter, right? Yeah. Or like, instead of going to like Toronto and it's like, you'll be a star in Toronto. You'll be beloved by the franchise, but like the opportunities won't be as big, you know? If I am Shohei or Yamamoto and I'm considering the Mets, I want an opt out after year three. I think that's Cause smart. Because I, I want to see what's going on with this team. Like, I don't want to commit. Yamamoto is probably going to get like an eight year deal. Yeah. Joe Hale will get a 10 year deal. Yeah. I want, and I think CC did this too when he signed with the Yankees. He, he had did. an opt out, I think, after year three or four. He did. And then he opted, he, they signed him to a uh, new uh, contract. Yeah. Because you can always re up and get more money, but also, I miss, I miss CC. That was a cool time in baseball. That, <sighs> like, that was like, I feel like that was kind of like a golden era of baseball when we were growing up where, 
I went to three games that year in 2009 and every game I feel I feel like every fucking win ended in a walk in a walk off. Yeah, it was a big year for them. And I think two out of the three games I went to ended in a walk off and it was mm-hmm. just it was such a fun time. They signed to share that year. They signed CC and AJ um Burnett. Burnett. I that was a fucking fun year, man. That was like the year that the Yankees spent like five hundred million dollars in the offseason. Yeah, and back then, like even now, that's still a ton of money. It is, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, that was the, that was a really fun time, man. I really enjoyed that time. Um, yeah, it's it's sad, man. Sabathia was just, I just loved Sabathia because he was just this overweight dude who just fucking threw rockets. And like, you know, he, he just for a guy that size to be an innings eater as much as he was and to be so durable and to be so um, like to be able to like to have the longevity too. he was just he was just such a fucking star, man. He, he yeah. really and it was it, it, that is exactly a free agent signing. You know how many free agent signings are just complete busts. And that one went that one went as well as you can imagine. Yeah, like literally the first year this guy comes, he wins almost twenty games, and he's like, "When we win a pennant, like you can't ask for anything more than that." Yeah, I mean, he was an absolute monster for them too, and it was funny. There were times like the season would start, like, "Oh, he's he's cut down his weight this year. He loves cereal. He stopped eating." I'm like, "He looks the exact same." <laughs> Two thousand nine, he goes nineteen and eight. With a 3.37 ERA. He had a better year the year after. And then he goes in 2010, he goes 21 and 7. 21 and 7. <laughs> this man, this man won 40 games in two years. He's a Hall of Famer. 3.8, 3.18 ERA. He pitched 230, 230 innings in 2009, 237 in 2010, and he had 197 strikeouts in both years. Yeah. Just fucking rocket like that 2011 year though is bananas 1988 yeah. three era 237 innings pitched 230 strikeouts and then 15 and 6 with a 3.38 and then this is when the team started to fall off though. yeah 14 and 13 with a 4.7 and then he never really but he didn't i would say 2017 though you know he came out and he he went 14 and 5 with a 3.69 he like he kind of rebounded that year, but he you could tell that it was like you know he's thirty six at that point. You can't really mm-hmm. expect much from him. But again, for what he delivered in those first two years, the first three years really like was just nothing short of amazing. Oh yeah, did he win a Cy Young? Um, I believe he did win the Cy Young. He he, he had to have won it in two thousand ten. I don't think he won mm-hmm. it in two thousand nine. He sure didn't. Uh, two thousand ten. I'm I'm convinced that he won the Cy Young. He was third. In 2010? Yeah. That's fucking horseshit. Who won that? Felix, Felix Hernandez. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, actually. That's that's actually the year that people were really pissed off because Felix Hernandez won 13 games, lost 12. But he had like a sub-3 ERA, though, right? He had a 2-2-7 ERA, but David I mean, Price— come on. David Price won 19 games, and he had a 2-7-2. 2.27 though is fucking in the AL. 
at the time. I mean, David he, David Price was in Tampa Bay. I know. And what David nineteen Price, David games? Price, David Price was special. <laughs> yeah, the fall off was really bad, but like he was special. Look, David Price nineteen wins. CC Sabathia with a three one eight ERA, twenty one wins. John Lester nineteen wins. Like. Trevor Cahill, 18 wins. Justin Verlander, 18 wins. Like, I get, like, ERA and shit like that, but I would imagine winning games is probably also really fucking important, too. And that was the bad time in Seattle where they were absolute ass. Yeah. I don't know. Call me a piece of shit. I got slick back hair. <laughs> I used to be a piece of shit. You would have not liked me back then. <laughs> now it's just pushback. <laughs> oh man! Pushback. Any, any other thoughts on um, Shohei? No, that's about where I was at. I just wanted to kind of like say my piece about it because I think there's a lot of like, I think there's a lot of like. Um, just like everyone is kind of just fumbling over themselves to try and get him. And it's like, I think there is more risk to it than I think people want to admit. And that's just yeah, kind of I, where I was at. I think they are looking heavily at what he could bring to the team in terms of attention. And that's why I would imagine a lot of the teams that are in on him are there because they see him as not just a player to be added to their team, but as a marketing tool to bring people to the ballpark. And that's going to be fine for some teams that are really, really fucking good. But if your team is, you know, 15 wins under 500, Shohei's not really going to solve that problem for you. And he's going to, yeah, he's going to take that opt out. But I will say too, like the other piece to this as well is once Shohei is signed, I imagine a lot more guys are starting to go because he is the, He's the one that's holding up all of this because people yeah. are just waiting around. They got it all their money back for waiting. I do think it will be a domino once uh once he finally signs. Um so you know, and I hope it's soon because also like you know, a lot of people are getting like very testy. Um Buster only had a very aggressive uh article yesterday about Shohei and that he's being so secretive and like because he's basically put like a memorandum out that like to all the GMs that like if you talk about meeting with me I'm I'm going to I'm not going to sign with you. Mm -hmm. And he wants his privacy. So like you know whatever man like give you know respect his wishes and like it shouldn't be that fucking hard, right? Um so I I think uh I think for that i think it'd be finally good to finally just have him kind of just sign like figure it out pick your team but he said that he's not going to do it at the winter meeting so it's probably going to be yeah those have those have ended so it'll probably yeah word on the street is it's next week but i really don't know what else you need to learn about some of these teams yeah just no right us. at this point like, there's really and because no one else is going to sign until you do you're not like you're really inducing anybody else to make a decision. You know, it's not like some big starter is going to go like, I'm going to go to Toronto if Shohei goes. So I'm going to sign right now and Shohei follow me. You know, it's like it's 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 pretty much everybody's waiting on him. Yeah. But whoever signs him, especially for those smaller market teams that are in on him, I imagine that's going to be their only deal they're able to make. 
because you're committing $50 million a year to that guy plus potentially more. Um, so I don't anticipate a lot of people, although the team that signs him being able to do much more after that, which is scary because if you have a team that is trying to make a world series push, they need more than just one player who's going to play half the positions he's billed for. Hmm. Cameron Mabin just put out a, apparently he said that the Yankees would be more attractive if they got rid of the facial hair. I also agree with that. Um, cause Verdugo is going to have to shave. Uh, he is going to be such a lost boy. There. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually agree. I, I think, I think it's stupid at this point that they still have this fucking facial hair rule. It's stupid to me. Um, so you I'm see, actually I'm agreeing with that. I I get it, but I'm going to play like the the contrarian here. The Yankees are still the Yankees. Like it's still like the most recognizable symbol in the world outside of like an American flag. Mm-hmm. Good or bad, you can take yeah. your pick. But for people to say like oh I don't want to sign with the Yankees cuz I want to keep my facial hair. Come on man, really? Like that seems like such a and I don't love that thing too, but for people to be like, no, I'm not going to sign here because I like this beard that looks like shit 90% of the time in the summer. Yeah. Um, it, it, it seems to me like it's a little too shallow of a, of a choice. Yeah. Just say the market is fucking really hard and I don't want to be there. <laughs> I think that does play into it though. I mean, I, I think some guys don't want to play in New York because it's like it's it's a lot of pressure playing for the Yankees. You're under constant scrutiny. The fan base is very tough and very angry a lot yeah. of the time. Um, I think Jacoby Ellsbury, I like I, I imagine Jacoby Ellsbury could have played a lot more than he did, but he just was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> you know, I don't want to deal with these fuckers anymore constantly, you know, giving me shit. So, like, I think a lot of that plays into it. So, I you know, I get it. Yeah, there are some guys that just can't hack it in major markets. And then there's other guys who you think would like fall apart, like a Nick Swisher. And yeah, so well. Love Nick Swisher. Yeah. I will say when he when he was with the White Sox and was bad and then went to the Yankees, I was like, that's actually a sneaky good pickup for them. I I also a 2009 guy, too, by the way. He, oh, I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, I think we got him for what the Cleveland Indians at the time. I think um, he was with the White Sox, and it was like he started with the Indians, and he was with the White Sox. Yeah, he was with the A's. He, he was underrated. Started with the A's, went to the White Sox, and then he was a journeyman. Yeah, um, he was an underrated signing because he was a guy that I don't think really anybody was talking about, and he ended up coming out and being like that stable force in right field. Um, so like. His 2009 numbers, I'm actually curious. Um, 249, 249, but he hit 29 and 82. And then the next year he hits 288, 29 and 89. Yeah. I mean, he hit 20 home runs, over 20 home runs five years in a row. Yeah. So, like, just very talented dude. So um, the, the one thing that you're burying the lead on, though, was – 600 plate appearances, 97 walks, 249 batting average with a 371 on base percentage. Like that was what that team needed. 
Yeah. Big time. I agree. Um, very talented dude. Um, really, really liked him. And like, he was kind of like, he was kind of had that surfer dude personality too, which was like mm-hmm. kind of what the team Yankees are known for being kind of rigid and, you know, like it's, 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 it's a tough place to play. He kind of kept it loose and kept it fun. So uh, to me, he was a guy that I think uh, definitely uh, didn't get as much as he appreciated, like as far as the credit is concerned. So having that stable, like good right fielder, you know, the guy who, you know, uh, it's just very underrated dude. So I think Swisher didn't get a lot of credit. Yeah. He's a good egg. Yeah, absolutely. Does he go in Monument Park? No, no. Damn. No. Haters. Well, we're going to retire every fucking number and we're going to retire. Like I, I'm one of those people that it's like, I think it borders on ridiculous after a while. The amount of people were like, you know, putting in Monument Park and the amount of people that were fucking like, come on, like, come on. Just say you hate him. Just say it. I love Nick Swisher. Okay. (laughs) I don't. How dare you, sir? Oh, man. Um, Um, But no, but like we just were, it's getting a little, getting a little crazy here. Yeah. All right. What do you say? You want to move to America's new sport? Football. Football. Messi. Um, Not really much to talk about when it comes from either the Giants or Washington. I think both teams are kind of just waiting to the end of the year. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, I mean, I you know, there's been some controversy in Giants land about them sticking with Tommy Cutlets um, instead of going towards back to Tyrod Taylor. I, I think it's a big nothing burger, honestly. Um, the reality is that we are in a position now where this team is terrible we need and like honestly i want to secure a top four pick like that's just where i'm at right now because for me if we can walk away with either maserati marv Jaden daniels caleb or drake may like that's where i want to be i don't want to have to mortgage my fucking future to get a quarterback in this class so like that's just that's just where i'm at right now um but like you know uh, I, I think people are making a big deal out of nothing, honestly. Um, so that's just where I'm at with that. But like, yeah, this the Giants—they stink. What do you want me to say? Yeah, it's a throwaway year for them. I think it is. I think they—they they probably over—they definitely over overperformed last year. The times were good for them. Yeah, but it still has Dave Gettleman's like Dorito sweat fingers all over it. <laughs> all over and his Wii remote. Yeah, you need to let some of these contracts go and get some money back, which we were talking about before the show. They have like $47 million in cap space. I I think they... I think they can get up to like 55, probably. Yeah, if they cut some guys and shit. But I think the bottom line for them is they have to try to find a quarterback in this draft because... I don't know if you can do another year of Daniel Jones and Tommy DeVito is not going to be the long-term answer. No, but it is starting to thin out because a bunch of these guys have said that they're committed to staying for a couple more years. Cam Ward went into the transfer portal, so he's not going anywhere. Marvin Harrison Um, said the other day that he would 
uh, he's not going to. I, yeah, I don't think but, he's going like, to. <laughs> Especially, too, that now that Kyle McCord has transferred out of Ohio State as well. Like, yeah. Um, they're probably in a transition period at this point. And, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, those are the top three, and the, the four that's, or five are not even close. That's where I'm at. Um, I'm at, yeah, I'm at the situation now where I would say that I think that I'd probably maybe a little bit controversial, but Caleb is still number one to me. Jane Daniels might creep into number two for me just because of his dual threat ability, but also his deep ball. I still have to watch a lot more of them. Um, and I want to see how the playoffs go. I don't think Caleb Williams is going to play. He's not. Um, so, you know, we'll see, but like, um, I don't think Drake may should play either. Cause I don't think, I don't think any of them should play. I would agree. Like, especially for Jaden Daniels, you have nothing to prove at this point. You're probably going to be the, you're, he should be the Heisman. Um, and then on top of it, you risk injury in a game that really means nothing else. He was not in the playoffs or anything. Mm -hmm. Neither is USC and neither is North Carolina. So, uh, as far as it goes, I don't think any of them really should like risk any injury. So, so the other two guys are probably going to be Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. Where I'm not as high on them. Yeah, I mean, I think both of them have done well for their teams, but those are guys that have just bounced around for a little while, and I don't know. I don't. I don't see them being first round guys. They're probably round three or later. Um, I would imagine though that Penix and Bo Nix will play in their bowl games though to try and like boost their stock a little bit. But I don't know who they're playing yet. Yeah, I I I think with Bo Nix it makes sense. Um, especially after the Pac twelve championship not going their way. Penix I the thing that worries me about I don't really worry about Penix's game. I worry about the fact that he's had two ACL tears in his history. So that yeah. worries me a little bit more, I would say. Um, but you know, I like, I like his game, but like, I just, I, I just don't know how I feel about him necessarily. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think he's, I think he's a good quarterback. He's just not really in my top tier, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're good. I, I should uh, restate what I was going to say because I completely blanked that Washington is in the playoff, so he's definitely going to play. Um, yes, I would imagine he will. Yeah, and they're playing Texas too, so it, it could be a Hook good em. game for him to like wake some people up to the alternatives because if he has a good game against them and they win. Their like defense is very talented too, so I think that could be a situation in which he, um, he he could end up. They couldn't. I think Washington could has better chances anybody to win. Um, so I think there. I think there obviously stands a good chance that like, you know, he should he should play, and yeah, I think I think they have a good chance to win. Yeah, let me see where Bo Nix is playing. Oregon Bowl game 2023. Uh, Oregon is playing Liberty. Oh, boy. The Fiesta Bowl. Oh, no. 
maybe Oregon, maybe i mean he should put up he should, wrong he should put up like eight touchdowns in that game so i don't know if it means anything but yeah but what did he do to deserve that <sighs> liberty is 23rd yeah but how's that how did that happen they play in What conference do they play in? The fucking all religious bowl. The pool. They, they play in Conference the, USA. Like, come the, on, the man. pool boy, the pool boy division. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just that's unfortunate for them, and they're probably gonna. They're probably. Gonna I'm, Oregon's them. gonna win by like thirty in that easily. Yeah. So I mean, hey. Whatever, just easier for him to put up big numbers. But I don't think I don't know if it means much. Um, I do like that they changed the rule with the I think it's the Senior Bowl. I think juniors can now play in this. I did I read that wrong? I think that's fair. I think that's true. I think uh, I think they can play. I think underclassmen. Yeah, it's no longer the Senior Bowl. So college underclassmen are now eligible to play. And I love that. I think that's cool because, like, we're going to be able to see, um, you know, more guys in it. I, Caleb Williams could technically play. I don't think he will. Um, Drake May could. Um, so there's it's, it's kind of cool to be able to see. So um, I don't know. I, I, I think Bo Nix is going to be a special case. Because I think it's going to be someone who needs that type of guy, you know, and he fits a certain kind of system. But like, if you look at his numbers, you look at the advanced metrics of his numbers. He he doesn't throw the ball more than ten yards down the field a lot. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of dinking and dunking. He does have a pretty nice deep ball. I'm not going to say he doesn't. Not going to say he doesn't have arm talent. But um, I, can he do it consistently? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's a that's a question. So yeah. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fascinating experience. What happens if the Giants can't get either Marvin Harrison Jr. or a quarterback? What's the next move for them? You don't sound um, too enthused on that. No, I'm not. Obviously, because I don't know what you do in that scenario. Um, trade back maybe try and load up for 2025 i don't think you you i, I think you maybe take a chance on a guy if he falls like if jj mccarthy's on day, late day two mm-hmm. um you know so you're not fully committed to anybody maybe michael Penix. uh jane daniels is going to be the question mark right because i, I think we i think we look at Jaden daniels and say like yeah he's consensus going to be a top five pick but i don't know if everybody else kind of agrees um, I think some people have him in the top 10. I think some people have him somewhere else. Some people are saying he's a second rounder. Um, he hasn't proven enough yet to be a, uh, a top 10 first round pick. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I would say it's going to depend on what the board looks like, obviously. And it's going to depend on, um, what makes sense in that moment, but trade back or take best player available and if it's like Latu, the pass rusher um if it's malik neighbors you know the wide receiver from lsu 
getting a number one, getting a number one receiver, uh, Adunze from Washington. I'm not against getting a a potential top tier receiver either. I mean, it's not going to help us at that moment with, you know, Daniel Jones as our quarterback and everything, but like, at least it would, you know, give us an opportunity, you know? CBS has a fascinating mock draft that they put up today. Okay. Giants are picking six. Check this out. Okay. Drake May goes to the Bears. It would it would make sense that the Bears are that stupid. Yeah. Um, Jaden Daniels goes to New England. Marvin Harrison Jr. Arizona. Whoa, 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 wait. So Caleb Williams has not gone yet. Caleb Williams goes sixth to in a trade <laughs> where Tampa Bay trades up and takes the Jets spot. What? Wait, no. The Je- I thought the Jets were picking five. Um, the, I I would I they have I guess the projected out how it's going to go, but the Jets oh, would okay. trade out of that position and Tampa would trade up. The Jets are trading out of Caleb Williams. I I guess. Okay. I mean, whoever did this was was on one man. I mean, this is a very fascinating one. Giants get Malik Neighbors at seven. See, like that's stupid. Like, so wait, we're like, I, I don't get this. The Giants are picking seven. Yeah, the Giants are going to go on a little bit of a heater at the end of the year, huh? I mean, it, I mean, you know, they got what the Packers, New Orleans. Those are winnable games, unfortunately. Eagles twice, they'll get stomped, and then Cowboys one more time. Is it? Yeah. So, no, I thought we played the Cowboys twice. Am I wilding? It might have been a throwaway game. Yes, you did. Ra- the the Rams. Yeah. The Rams also, which I think is going to, they're going to get curb stomped in that one. Yeah, this one is um, fascinating because they basically just said, what is the normal understanding? And let's just throw it on its head. <laughs> yeah, Caleb Williams going six is, and like, you know, I don't, I don't get that at all. Um, I'm trying. To I don't understand the hate on him so much. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me because at the end of the day, this guy came back to a team that was not that good to begin with, and the the season went exactly how you thought it was going to go on a meh USC team. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't I don't understand the hate either. I think it's I think people um, honestly. I think there is a, I think there is just a general like people who are kind of brash because like him crying with his mom after that loss became like a very big deal to people. And like yeah. a lot of them were like, you know, like he's not built for it. He's not, you know, he doesn't have what it takes. But then Bo Nix crying after the Pac 12 championship. Oh man, he gave he gave everything he had, and it's like it's hard not to feel racial, you know. Yeah, it's really hard not to feel that way because he is kind of brash and he's got the fucking painted nails and people fucking hate that. But it's like you know, a lot of times it feels targeted. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we've covered this enough times that sports media is a little brain dead when it comes to nuance. Particularly, mm-hmm. we're like we're looking at you, Derek Carr, saying that 
Jalen Hurts is not good and you should start Marcus Mariota. What is a stupid thing to say? <laughs> what the but like that? Bo Nix has like an existential crisis after every single loss. Like why we're here on this planet and shit like that. And no one's like, yo, man, why don't you like chill for a little bit? But Caleb Williams, like if his name was not Caleb Williams and he was not a Heisman Trophy winner last year, I think you'd be okay with the 68.6% passing completion, 3,600 yards, 30 touchdowns. Like, yeah, that's essentially what Drake may just did. So he's got, He's got elite arm talent. He's got like the escapability, the 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 understanding of how to manipulate the pocket. Like there's really not many people on earth that can do the things that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't understand the the hate, honestly. I really don't. Um never made sense to me. And I think I think we're just this is what happens though when like we get to this point of the year where it's like people just want to start shit <laughs> and people just want to like pretty much like manipulate every little they want to go over every fucking minute detail. And when it comes down to it, I think Caleb Williams he may not succeed. He may not succeed. He may end up being complete bust, right? There is always that chance. But at the end of the day, like, I just don't understand how you wouldn't take a chance on a guy like that because he's just so talented. Like, like I'd rather fail with Caleb Williams than, like, go with Bo Nix because he's got heart and determination and, you know, whatever. Yeah, I I, I feel like people are just waiting to be hating on him. Yeah. On Caleb Williams. And it's USC – it's LA. It is, I think it is USC too. I think that plays into it as well. But keep in mind, like people still went out and drafted guys like Johnny Manziel or questionable character guys. Yep. And the only thing that's questionable from Caleb Williams is I don't even know if he is the one who's setting this stuff about like him wanting to have like ownership in the team that gets drafted by like I think he said something along that line, uh, but it was one of those things that I think people kind of blew out of proportion, honestly. Yeah. Um, it was it, it was very stupid that it was just like, I think it was something along the lines of like, you want a team to be invested in you and, you know, something along those lines. But like, it's fucking people, man. They just like, they just get so butthurt about like the stupidest fucking shit. Like, like who wouldn't want to have a team, you know, invest in them? That's the long-term goal though for a lot of these guys is to be a part of an ownership group. Who wouldn't want that? Like who wouldn't want that? Honestly. Like Yeah. And I honestly think that like that's going to be the new wave of how people like because these sports contracts are going to get too big eventually. So there's going to have to be some kind of thing that you do to give them, whether it's a minority stake, you know, something to juice the odds a little bit, you know. And you practically treat them like owners anyway, because you ask these guys who they want in the offseason. You consult with them about free agents and coaches and analysts. You should should at least if you don't. Right. And like you're treating them like de facto owners as is. You might as well make it official, but. That seemed like it seemed like a weird thing to say, but when you think about it, it's really not after a certain point. 
And all of the people that got upset about it, just, I, I'm not going to repeat what you were saying earlier, but it just felt like something easy for them to latch on to as a reason why they don't like him instead of him just pulverizing their favorite team. The, again, doesn't it feel like if Bo Nick said that, like they'd be like, what a, what a, uh, entrepreneurial young man, young man you are. Oh man. He's thinking long-term past his career. Such a, such a smart young man. He's more and, than just an athlete. He's thinking as a business person as well. Caleb Williams says it and they're like, how fucking dare you? Yeah. Like, I mean, come on, man. You're ruining the league. And honestly, like, I'm glad that these players have more power because like Caleb Williams could stay at USC for another year, get $10 million and an NIL money and whatever. He walks in a multimillionaire into the NFL. Um, but like he's not going to. He's not going to risk his his you know injuries for you know. It's just not. It's not going to happen. So, I will say, and kind of to veer off in a different path here, I hope that we are still in the early stages of what the NIL is and what it's going to be. But I hope players in college are able to leverage that more and hold it over professional teams more. That go and tank for players like mm -hmm. they strip all the good pieces away from their team and like we're going hard into this guy yeah and that person is a junior and they're like i'm not going to a team that has no offensive line no receivers and you've stripped it bare to guarantee it to lose for the rest of the year so you can pick me up and there has to be some kind of way that they push teams to be more competitive throughout the year because you have the Panthers, which I don't know if they're actually Thurs. tanking or they're just actually that bad. But this is year over year of them being like historically shitty. I I think there has to be a conversation about the Panthers because David Tepper um, has become very much kind of uh, enemy number one recently. And he I think that's like he is not liked around here. No, no. And I think he deserves a lot of the stuff that he gets because in in actuality, when you look at this from like a 30,000 foot view, firing Frank Reich. Now, look, I, Frank Reich, I like him, but I think he might be kind of a dinosaur in the NFL. I was Josh yeah. Morris was talking about this and I thought it was uh, really kind of astute. He the Panthers. Um, were like dead last in motion uh, for the last few years, like, you know, ever since Frank Wright took over. And if anybody's learned anything that the Kansas City Chiefs, the Miami Dolphins, why these teams are so fucking good is that they have a lot of motion. It allows the, the quarterback to be able to see how the defense reacts. Are they playing zone? Are they playing man? It gives them pre-snap information that helps them make their decisions. Mm -hmm. And when you have Bryce Young, and I mean, I saw a screenshot of a, I swear to God, it's the fucking Jason Garrett offense. It's it's four receivers all running little curl routes, and they're all just standing there waiting for the ball. And it's like all the defense has to do, especially if they're playing in a man defense, like these guys are just sitting on their guy because there's no threat. And like, they don't have any threat. And I think also a conversation needs to be had about why they stripped the team down so far. Because why did you trade Christian McCaffrey? Why did you trade um, DJ Moore? Like the McCaffrey thing, okay, your team sucks. 
You got a first round pick for him, sure. But like, why did you trade DJ Moore? You had him on a manageable deal for three years. And if you were going to draft Bryce Young, why not give him a receiver worth his while? Adam Thielen ain't cutting it. He's 33, 34 years old. Jonathan Mingo is talented, but like he's a rookie and, you know, he's not a first round call, you know, great. A lot of those guys are kind of throwaway after that. Right. You know, you just don't know what you're going to get out of them. And then like they don't really have any threat. And on top of that, when you don't use things to have, like, I mean, I, I think Bryce Young is a good quarterback. I, I've seen enough to be like, I think he's got enough talent to stick um, if you give him the right person. But now, but like, because we talked about this, Tom, do you remember that screenshot, that, that video of Josh McCowan and Frank Reich talking to CJ Stroud? Oh and yeah. Jo- Josh McCowan gets caught on a hot mic saying, when you're in Carolina, we're going to, have to find some tennis courts or whatever it was for for you. There's a lot of people who think that David Tepper forced his hand and forced him to draft Bryce Young over CJ Stroud. And then now there's a lot like there was a rumor that like he's forced he's forced a lot of changes. And that he's apparently there was another rumor that he doesn't think he 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 wanted Bryce's footwork redone because he thinks that a lot of the the pass protection issues are not the offensive line they're Bryce, just real weird shit from an owner to to do. Yeah. So I he don't was know. A minor, he was a minority owner in the Steelers, and I mm. can guarantee you they did not give him that kind of latitude to make decisions like that. No, and like I don't think an owner should be making those issues. You hire your coach to make those decisions, and it's yeah. like you keep like if 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 shit's going wrong, then maybe you poke your head in. You go, we we're good. You know, you mm-hmm. got a plan for this. Like, fine, but like literally butting your head in and like forcing a defense to change, you know, or forcing an offensive change. Uh, just, bananas to me especially quarterback like if if the frank reich who's been around forever like i have no doubt he knows what a good quarterback looks like if he says stroud is the guy you're like no we're taking bryce young well then you're just fucking him because like and and by the way cj stroud leads the nfl passing yards right now so like you really look like you messed up on that one like as good as bryce young could be i don't think he's going to be as good as cj stroud yeah, and speaking of guys that had their name tarnished right before the draft, CJ Stroud is another one. Um, but was, yeah, I mean that, that the the whole situation in I'm curious if this has like a Matt Rule hangover associated with it because when Tepper hired Matt Rule to be the head coach, he was like Pepper like saying Matt Rule's praises and like this is a guy who's going to help this team get back on track. This is the guy who's going to do it. And for the most part, Matt Rule said that stuff too. And then when Rule resigns and takes the Nebraska job, Pepper like lost his shit. And he was saying like I trusted this guy and he left and it yeah. didn't work. And so. I'm wondering if this has a lot to do with that, where he took the hands-off approach. Now he's very much hands-on because he does not want to get hosed like that again. But Mm. 
I don't think Frank Reich is the problem. I get why they traded DJ Moore because they kind of had to do it in order to move up in the draft to be able to be in the conversation with one of those two guys. Um, I I would be inclined to agree with you. I think that Frank Reich and Josh McCown were told this is the guy you're going to draft. It's very Dan Snyder you move, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. But I will also say too, we were told for years that Josh McCown is this like mad scientist offensive mind, and it has been absolutely fucking terrible. Poor results, yeah. Uh, say, yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Look, I, you know, I I don't know, man. I I, I don't know where I kind of stand on it at the moment because I I don't know what you do if you're Carolina because like. They tried to go after uh, Ben Johnson, the Detroit Lions offense coordinator. He basically opted out of the interviews. Like he basically said, I'm staying in Detroit. Most likely I'm guessing he didn't feel great about the meeting with David Tepper. I mean, again, this is me just speculating. I have no information on this, but like if maybe like maybe he felt like David Tepper wasn't going to be a a laid back owner and he didn't want to waste his potentially one big shot on that and obviously he's going to have tons of suitors at the end of the year because of how good the lines have been this year um despite the overhaul at running back and and everything like that so i i kind of feel like there might be more to it than um than you know what's going what's been kind of going on so i i don't know i don't know how to feel about where their prospects are because are they going to still get, I mean, they probably will, but like you can't be an owner that keeps dumping money into, into this. I know he's got tons of it, but like, my God, man, the amount of money that he is dumped into head coaching with Matt rule. Now he's going to have to pay fucking um, Frank Reich's contract over the next few years. And like, you got nothing to show for it. I think we have started to experience something really, really interesting where, now we're starting to get into the conversation of the Panthers building a new stadium or doing major upgrades to Bank of America Stadium. And Tepper has asked for a significant portion of that to be paid for by the city. Of course he did. And he said, if I don't get this, we might have to move the team. Where are you going to move? Like, where are you going to go? You're going to go to South Carolina? Have it. Enjoy it. Um, there's, I think it's like $1.2 billion with a $600 million coming from taxpayers. Like get the fuck out of here, dude. Are you serious? He's worth $20 billion. Yeah. Pay for your fucking self, man. So I, I, I'm wondering if this is the start of like a really, I would be curious if this is like the Dan Snyder origin story all over again. <laughs> because it has the same kinds of hallmarks that Dan Snyder did when he was the coach for the when he was the owner for the Man. commanders, where demanded stuff, didn't get it, went through coaches like crazy, was overly involved in the team where he had no business to be that. And the team fell apart and was unwatchable for years on end. Mm. And as a commanders fan, still having to deal with the fallout of Dan Snyder because he put so much energy into not doing anything because he couldn't. And he gave it all to Ron Rivera to run teams an absolute disaster. Definitely 
cleared house in come January 8th is everyone in that building is going to get fired and it's going to be fantastic. You think the owners would finally fucking learn to stop meddling in their, you know, coaches affairs and yet they don't. They never learn. I don't understand why. I mean, if you're worth that much money, you think that you have earned or own, you now have paid for the right to be that invested. You're 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 just that much smarter than everybody else, I guess. Yeah, I can't think of any like non overly involved owners, though. No, I think there's I think there are some that are less than others, but yeah, no, they're all they're all pretty much. Like, they just think that they're fucking smarter than everybody else. So, I mean, which, you know what, maybe maybe in the long run you're you're going to be redeemed, right? And everything you did was smart and fucking brilliant. But, like, it doesn't look like that's going to happen right now. So, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be a fascinating experience. Yeah, I agree. Um, You got anything else? No. All right. You want to move to assholes and picks? Yeah, I'm going to go, though, with uh, a little bit of a different take as far as I'm going to go with Hero of the Week. And we already talked about him. I'm going to give my flowers to Brian Cashman. He deserves it. And I think finally, like I've talked a lot of shit, so I'm willing to admit when I'm finally kind of satisfied. There's no guarantee that this is going to work out for them in the long run. But it obviously it feels good to actually have some movement. So, um, so yeah, props to Brian Cashman. I can't wait to record that and just bring it back to you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, again, like I said, like there's no guarantee on any of this shit, but like at the end of the day, you know, it is something that had to happen. You got to make moves, man. You have to make moves. So the worst thing you can do is just sit there static and not do anything. You know, it's, it's just, it's infuriating. So um, I'm glad they finally did something. So maybe I'm giving him too much credit, (laughs) but like, you know, I feel like you gotta, you gotta do fucking something, man. Yeah. Well, to that end, I'm going to go on the same thread, but the opposite end where, my assholes of the week, plural, are all of the people on Twitter screaming at ownership and general manager offices of baseball teams to do something. Yeah. And like, particularly in Red Sox space, there are a lot of people that are like losing their shit over Craig Breslow not doing anything. And I think they all need to take a breath. Because we talked about it earlier, like Shohei Otani has pretty much backed up the entire market. Nothing's going right. to happen until that's done. Yeah. And like any like crumb of a news report, someone like re like retweets it and writes Craig in capital letters. And the people that are doing this too are also putting out these really like strongly worded things like this is the ownership group and it needs to show us something or else the fans are going to walk away. No one's mm. fucking walking away, you psychopath. Calm down. Yeah, no. And I think a lot of it is like engagement farming. And it's really, it really. It feels like that. It's really, really frustrating. And I'm glad yeah. that we talked about like the 2009 era of baseball where Twitter wasn't really a thing. 
And it was a much more enjoyable experience where people had their opinions on how teams should be constructed, but they weren't putting this like crap out on the internet and being super toxic and cringy about it where they would just like throw out the most egregious thing that you can say about somebody who Brian Cashman, he makes decisions, but that's a really fucking hard job for him to do. Craig Breslow hasn't done a whole lot because there's nothing to do right now. So for all of the engagement farmers out there, for all of the people who are thinking that John Henry is scrolling through Twitter, looking to see what you're going to say, (laughs) go outside and do something else. Like go follow another sport. The, the in-season tournament for the NBA is actually pretty interesting. It has been. College basketball, you have to play more like in-conference games now than you did in the past. The games yeah. are interesting. Yeah. Go fucking do something else. Touch grass. Yes. <laughs> They're all my assholes. So, All right. Who you got for picks? So for picks, uh, pretty, pretty easy one for me was uh, Fargo. The mm. the FX, not the movie, obviously, the series sure. that kind of disappeared for a while from FX. It is back, season five. Uh John Hamm, Juno Temple. Um I just I every uh, the the I think the only season that kind of lost me was the last one with uh was with Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Um I really didn't love it, but honestly has to be one of the best shows like i on it and it's for anybody who like you don't have to watch the previous seasons it's an anthology every year it's a different every season it's a different story um usually resolved around some kind of crime the first season is fucking epic billy bob thornton playing like a contract killer really fucking good if you've never watched it i definitely recommend it i think it's all on hulu um but the new season, I have not dug into it yet, but it's getting rave reviews. So I'm fucking psyched. I might actually might go back and just start rewatching the entire series again. I like all of the people that are cast for this year for this season. There was the year with uh, Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst, which was I think was season three, which was really good. It, you can't really go wrong with Fargo. It's yeah. uh, every year. It's always seemingly good. Again, like the last the season four, I haven't watched in a while. I don't. I just don't remember loving it. It's good. I just don't remember loving it. So, like, if that's the worst case scenario for one of the seasons, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. And I'm interested about that one too. I I feel like FX has just bangers that they just hang on to. Yeah, they do. They do a good job. And it gets just so understated because it's not a. It's not a HBO. It's not a Netflix. It's not an Amazon Prime. It's not an Apple TV. It's not a Disney. So that often just gets like relegated to the back end. It's also not but a local station. Not so a local. Yeah, it doesn't have the ability to capture a wide net and a large audience. You know. Yeah. So I um, I'm excited for that one. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, it's great. My pick of the week is actually going to be a movie that I just found on. Um, I just found on Netflix, it's called The Silencing. And Mm. it's a 2020 movie. And it's actually a pretty, it's a bit of a thriller. It's a crime mystery thriller. And there's a bunch of twists and turns in this one that I did not anticipate. It's 
it's a really interesting movie about a guy who's a former like big game hunter who his daughter goes missing his life pretty much falls apart and he is somehow caught up in the serial killer that is like killing people in his woods and mm. again there's a couple of twists and turns in there that i wasn't anticipating but it's got its flaws it definitely has its warts but considering some of the stuff that has come out on netflix lately it was actually a movie that I was like a little stressed out while I was watching it. Not, um, not a ton of like really well-known names. The guy from, um, I see, uh, it was uh, Jamie Lannister from. Yeah. Game the guy from game of Thrones is in it. Annabelle Wallace is in it too. And I feel like I've seen her in a bunch of stuff, but I looked at her Wikipedia page and none of it looks familiar to me. Hmm. Maybe got one of those faces, you know? Yeah. One of them faces. <laughs> yeah. Like, I never saw Annabelle. I've yeah, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Never saw that. Didn't see the Mummy. That Is that the one out. with Clive Owen, the King it's, Arthur movie? It's the one with the guy from. It's the Guy Ritchie one, with the guy from Sons of Anarchy in it. I didn't see that. Yeah, never saw the Mummy with Tom Cruise. I never saw. I don't think Simon anyone. Cruise. I don't know. I don't think anyone saw the Mummy with Tom Cruise. No, sure didn't. And none of the TV shows. I never watched Star Trek Discovery. I've never seen any of these. But oh, she was in Peaky Blinders. That's what it was. Oh, okay. She was the uh, she was Grace. Grace. So, I mean, it's definitely a movie that has its issues. It's not a perfect film, but if you're looking for something to watch <laughs> that like, gives you a little bit of a jump, it's definitely one to check out. Cool. Yeah, I will, you said it was on Netflix? Yeah, dude. I'll have to check it out. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Um, well, that does it for us, folks. Um, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. You did fantastic tonight. No notes. Um, if you want to hear more of us, you can find us on all the major streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, uh, like Spotify. You can check out our YouTube page as well that has, has the recordings of our live streams. If you think your friends deserve to listen to this show, share it with them. If your friends are losers, that's fine too because everybody needs something to strive for. Do us a favor, smash that like and subscribe button um, and then share it with your friends. I'm, I'm sure we can give out Starbucks gift cards or something. Um, it's the holiday season. We're in the giving mood. But if you want to hear more about the things that we were talking about tonight, Shoot us a message on our social media, on our Instagram, and give us some topics, and we'll chat through those. Other than that, we will see you later, folks. Bye. Okay, let's give me a rhythm. Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow! <laughs>